together in here. Amen. At this time, I want to invite our, our founding pastor up, Dr. Savell, as he introduced the, the, the gift that we have this morning. Welcome our founding pastor, Dr. Jerry Savell. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Anybody doing good? Anybody doing better than good? Amen. Praise God. So good to see you this morning. Uh, Merry Christmas to you in advance. Happy New Year in advance. And uh, I believe this is going to be your year to flourish. Amen. Flourish and increase. Amen. You know, uh, you've heard me say this all year. Uh, well, you haven't heard me say it all year. I've been here a few times, but the rest of the world has heard me say this all year, that uh, 2016, the prophetic word was that it would be the year of the great breaking loose. How many of you have had some things break loose in your life that you've been believing God for for a long time? Boy, I have. I'm telling you, it has been exactly that. And so I want to encourage you to hang on to the prophetic word about this being the year to flourish. I gave you definitions on flourishing. I I challenge you to look up those every morning or or have them written down or in, in your Bible or on your desk or somewhere. You know, pin them on the, tape them on the mirror when you're brushing your teeth or combing your hair and read them. And each one of those definitions for flourish, you confess that's happening in my life in 2017. The Bible says faith, um, God calleth things that are not as though they were. That's the way you do this. You don't just sit around and see if it's going to happen. You decree it and make it happen, praise God. Can you say amen? Well, this morning we have a, a very dear friend. Uh, Richard Roberts, and he's come to minister to us this morning. We're believing God for the anointing of God, the power of God, uh, manifestations of the Holy Spirit to take place in your lives today. Uh, His sweet wife uh, was with Carolyn yesterday. Go ahead and stand up, sweet wife. (laughs) Amen. And I hear she did an outstanding job. Amen. While Richard and I were out playing, you guys had church. Praise God. And uh, this morning, we are excited about having Brother Richard here. He's a very dear friend. I've known him for many, many years. I served his father for many, many years. And uh, it's such a joy and an honor to have him in our church. And I, I really believe, and I said this back during our minister's conference earlier this year, that uh, he's going to become a familiar face around here, that we want to partake of his anointing. Amen. Amen. And uh, there's nothing that excites me more than seeing people get healed. Hallelujah. So if you need healing in your body this morning, let's mix our faith with it. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. I was going to read something from the message translation, but I think I'll hold it. No, I think I'll read it. Uh, this morning when I got up, uh, I was reading this, and um, it just went off in my spirit. But this, is, this is vitally important as we enter into this new year. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, and I'm reading from the message translation, he makes this statement, yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. All the things that I once thought was so important are gone from my life compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand. Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Isn't that great? Everything that I once thought was going for me has now become insignificant. In fact, Paul is saying to us that nothing is more important than knowing Christ, that I might know him, not just know of him, but know him. Can you say amen? Amen. 
So many things that we think are so important. So many pursuits that we think are so important. Nothing's more important than an intimate relationship with Christ. And, and I want to challenge you today because I believe that's a vital part of, of flourishing is make sure going into this new year that Jesus of Nazareth is number one in your life. Amen. Amen. All right, so go ahead and lift your hands and let's receive that in the name of Jesus. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, nothing is more important to me than knowing Christ, that I might know him more intimately and become more acquainted with him. That is my number one pursuit. Help me fulfill that this coming year. That I'll know him better than I've ever known him in my life. And I give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Give the Lord a shout and thank him for it. Amen. Once again, I'm very delighted to uh, introduce and turn this podium over to Brother Richard Roberts, uh, a man that uh, the anointing of God and the anointing of his father rests mightily upon him. You know, uh, Richard and I were just looking at uh, actually the promo that we did for this service. We were looking at that again yesterday and I told him, I said, I, I can't help but cry every time I see your daddy laying hands on people. Such an anointing. And you know, when a person leaves and goes to heaven, they don't take that with them. It's passed on. And I believe that it's on Richard, just like it was his father. So I want to encourage you to mix your faith today and believe God for the miracle that you need in your life. Let's welcome Richard Roberts. Amen. Father, we bless you and we praise you. Yes, Lord. Give you honor and we give you glory. Thank you, Father, for your presence in this place. Thank you for the powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit. We worship you and praise you. We give you honor and give you glory. Thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what you did in Bible days, you are doing these days. Satan, we adjure you by the name of Jesus. You take your hands off of us today. We do not belong to you, but instead we belong to God. We were paid for by his shed blood, the blood of his son Jesus on Calvary, and we thank you and praise you and honor you. Now, Lord, have your way this morning through me. Amen. I give you honor and praise in Jesus' name, and all the people said, Amen. Amen. There's somebody here this morning, before you're seated, somebody here who has had a lot of pain in your right arm, especially around your elbow, and as we were worshiping and praising this morning, the Lord said, I'm healing that arm right now. Whoever you are, if you'll just take your arm and begin to move it, you're going to find healing is in that arm, and you're going to have movement in that arm right now. Just, just go ahead, and, and whoever you are, lift it up right now, and let me know who that is. Wave your hand at me if you're that person. Is it you, brother? Is it uh, you back there? Yes. You know, when, when God gives a word, it isn't necessarily for just one person. I gave a word of knowledge once in Kenya, and 4,000 people came forward to testify of healing. So it's not just, well, you say, well, somebody else got that before I did. No, 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 no. That word can go for many other people. Also, there's a person, you've got pain that shoots down your right leg. And whoever you are, if you'll just begin bending it right now, someone's going to find the pain is completely gone. If you're just lifting up right now, that which you could not do, it hurt when you sat down, it hurt when you got up, it hurt when you walk up and down steps. Just lift it up and down now. Who can tell there's healing going into your leg right now? Wave your hand at me. Wave your hand at me. You can tell that there's pain leaving right now. Yes, thank you. Glory to God. Yes, way over there. Praise God. Let's give a shout of praise to the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Praise God. 
Well, God bless you. You can be seated this morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. Brother Jerry, it is an honor to be here with you and Carolyn and um, here at Heritage of Faith. Pastor Justin, thank you so much. Where did Pastor Justin go right there? Uh, praise God for this opportunity. Um, I thank you for that invitation to be a regular. I accept. <laughs> I accept, and it's a joy, and it's an honor. Praise God. I heard the story about this little boy who was out in the lobby of the church, and he was looking at a plaque on the wall which had listed men's names. And he just looked at it and looked at it, and the pastor walked by and noticed the little boy looking at the plaque. And he walked over to him and said, Son, is there something wrong? Can I help you? The little boy said, Pastor, what are all these names on this plaque? And the pastor said, Well, son, those are the names of members of our church who died in the service. And he said, Was it the 9 o'clock or the 11 o'clock service? <laughs> There'll be no dying in service today. <laughs> I saw a sign in a business that said, no one is allowed to die on the job here without falling. If you die, you have to fall down. <laughs> I heard the story of this couple who had been married for 75 years, and they were beginning to have some difficulty with their memory. And they were watching television one night, and uh, the husband said to the wife, honey, would you get me a glass of milk? And she said, sure. And he said, well, write it down just in case you forget. <laughs> she said, I don't have to write down milk. I'll be right back. And so he said, well, bring me a cookie with it. She said, all right. And he said, write it down just in case you forget. She said, I'm not going to write down milk and cookies. I'll remember that. I'll be right back. 30 minutes later, <laughs> she came back with a plate of scrambled eggs. He said, you forgot the toast. I told you to write it down. <laughs> oh, my. Everybody look straight ahead. Don't look to your right. Don't look to your left. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Open your Bibles this morning to Exodus 19. Lindsay, they said you did a fabulous, fabulous job yesterday morning. Stand up one more time. Give her a big God bless you. You know, uh, when we met, a friend of mine introduced us. It's been almost 37 years ago, next month, and I had preached that night on the subject of cutting off the giant's head, David and Goliath. And a friend of ours, a mutual friend, introduced us after the service, and uh, she said, I enjoyed your message. Well, I grew up under the ministry of Oral Roberts, and when you said to Oral Roberts, what did you, uh, that I enjoyed your message, he would say, name three things that you enjoyed. So you had to be prepared, Justin. If, if you made a compliment to Oral Roberts, you had to back it up with something that you really understood. You couldn't just say, well, I, I, I like the message, but I can't remember anything about it. And so you had to be prepared. And she said, I enjoyed your message. I said, well, what did you enjoy about it? She said, the part about cutting off the giant's head. We had, we had talked about what is your biggest giant? And in the spirit realm, we're going to cut that off tonight. And I said, well, what is your biggest giant? And she pointed her finger and said, you. <laughs> well, how in the world could I be her biggest giant? I've never met her before. And I looked at my friend as if to say, who did you introduce me to tonight? And I couldn't, I couldn't stand it. Two or three days, you know, they said curiosity killed the cat. Well, after a couple of days, I couldn't stand not knowing how I could be her biggest giant. And so I called her. And we talked on the phone for several hours. And I, I said, how could I be your biggest giant? And she said, because the Lord has laid you on my heart praying over you. And I don't want to be praying over you. <laughs> but the Lord laid me on her heart. And I'm so glad he did. Because on the 11th of January, we will have been married for 37 years. Praise God for that. Praise God for you. And we have precious children, Jordan uh, and Olivia and Chloe. 
praise God for that. So, anything you want to add? Just babies, huh? Pardon? 50 years. Well, praise God. Oh. Are you ready for the word of God this morning? I, I battled this last week. I battled and battled and battled with what the Lord wanted me to do. And the Lord showed me something that he wanted me to do, and I didn't understand why. Have you ever had a word from God and you just didn't quite understand, but you obeyed? Weren't you glad that you obeyed when you did? And I've, I've struggled, not in that sense, but I've, I've, I've battled in obeying the Lord and doing what he wanted me to do this morning. And by the way, someone who's lost part of the hearing in your right ear, you're being healed right now. If you'll close up your other ear, you're going to find that all of a sudden there's a burst of healing in that ear. Father, I just thank you for the operation of the word of knowledge today. Thank you for healing and for that ear opening. Where is that person? Suddenly you're, you're, just, you're hearing much better out of that ear. Is it you? Praise God. Is it you? Praise God. Praise God. Well, give praise to the Lord. That's the operation of the word of knowledge. Paul lists those in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He lists those nine gifts of the Spirit. Someone else, yes, Lord. Well, okay, I'll just wait a while then. Uh, you've had pain in your right hip that goes down your leg. You're somewhere over in this section. Where are you? Would you just stand up? You've got pain in your left, in your hip, in your hip. It goes down your leg. Where are you? Where's that person? Is it you? Several of you just lay hands on her or stretch your hands out toward her in the authority. Now, here comes healing right now. In Jesus' name, I send the word to... There goes the pain now. There it goes. It's leaving now. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. The hip is healed and the pain stops. Now, I believe you're going to be able to find the pain is leaving your hip right now in Jesus' name. Praise God. Somebody give praise to the Lord. And uh, where, uh, uh, yes, I'll do that, Lord. Where is the person that fell earlier? I don't know if it was this week, last week, the week before, or whenever it was, you fell and you injured your side. Where, where is that person? You fell you, you fell or you bumped into something and you, and you injured your side. Where is that? Is it you? Would you just stand up for a minute, please? In the authority of the, somebody lay hands on. In Jesus' name, I send, here comes healing right now. Is, is it right here? Am I describing it right? Is it right, ma'am, is it right in here? It, your, your, your arm and then right under here in, and, and down to your leg. Okay. In the name of Jesus. I bind that and curse. There's another ear opening right now. I curse that in the name of Jesus. And there's a cataract that's opening up right now. In Jesus' name, be healed, ma'am. Uh, somebody has had a cataract in your right eye, and you have this big spot out there, and it's getting bigger and bigger, and that's being healed right now. Someone's vision is opening up. Just lift your hands unto the Lord this morning. Father, we give you praise and honor and glory. Thank you, Father. You know, I, I can never tell when God is going to manifest the gifts of the Spirit. He does it as, at His will. We're not in control of the gifts. He's in control. Amen. We don't have the gifts. We have the Holy Spirit. Amen. And the Holy Spirit has the gifts. And He manifests them whenever He wants to. Not when you, now, I've told Him when to do it. I've told Him where to do it. I've told Him who to do it to. And He's never done it my way once. He'll do it his way. I'll say, Lord, let's have it at the beginning. Invariably, he'll have it at the end. I'll say, Lord, let's wait till the after I preach. Invariably, he'll start at the beginning. So I have learned how to quit telling him what to do. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't tell God what to do. We're the one who takes orders from headquarters, all right? So whenever he manifests that, yes, I'll do that, Lord. Uh, the person that has the, the very bad headache this morning, where are you? you? You thought about not even coming this morning because the pain was severe. Severe right now. Where are you? Where are you? Stand up. You have the pain in your head. Where, where are you? Where is that person? Where are you? You have the pain in your head. Yeah, right now. Just lay hands on him. In the, now there it goes. It's leaving. I see it. I see it coming out of the top of your head. In the name of Jesus, I bind that. I rebuke it. Come out and enter him again no more forever. In the name of Jesus. Now, brother, just give praise and rejoice to the Lord. Thank God for that healing. Praise the Lord. 
Praise God. Praise God. Open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. I have two different passages I want to read from. Exodus 19 and verse 4. You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. You've seen what I did and how I bore you on the wings of eagles and brought you to myself. Now turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. And notice verses 11 and 12. As an eagle stirs up her nest, flutters over her young, spreads abroad her wings, takes them, bears them on her wings, so the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. Thank you, Father, for your word, alive and full of power, active, energizing, effective, sharper than any two-edged sword. And as this word gets in us, we're alive, and we're full of power in Jesus' name. Thank you for that anointing. I received the double portion again, and everybody said amen. amen. I want to bring you a message this morning titled, Get Off the Briar and Get On the Wing." Get off the briar and get on the wing. Everybody say that with me. Get off the briar and get on the wing. The eagle is one of the most majestic birds God ever created. The bald eagle, of course, is our national symbol. Everyone loves to see eagles. Cars will stop on the side of the road when eagles fly by. Eagles are majestic. They have both telescopic and microscopic sight. One of the only birds God ever created with both. They can see very close up, like through a microscope, and they can see great distances. They can be flying hundreds of feet above the ground and see a fish swimming in a stream and swoop down and clutch it with their claw. Eagles are mighty and majestic birds. And the mother eagle is very special because God compares himself in the scriptures to a mother eagle and how she flutters over her young, how she spreads forth her wings and then stretches the wing out over the nest. The mother eagle, the naturalists say, build their nests in high, tall trees or on rocky mountain ledges, high away from predators. And they build their nest, she and her mate. They build the nest and uh, they put at the bottom of the nest, they put uh, sticks and briars. But then they cover those sticks and briars with rags and skins of animals and their own soft, downy feathers. And the mother eagle hatches her young. And soon they're growing and they're screaming and crying for food. And both the male and female bring food. And they light on the side of the nest and they drop the food into the little eaglet's mouths. And they continue to grow and they do well. And they look up and they see the beautiful blue sky. And and they see the surroundings, but they're very comfortable in that nest. They're very comfortable where they are. And they continue to grow, and the, the, the mother and the, and the male bring, continue to bring the food, and they're, they're comfortable, they're safe, and they're warm, and they're protected. But the day comes when it's time for the little eagles to learn how to fly. And the Bible says that the eagle does something very unusual, and naturalists tell you that they stir the nest. They take their claws and they reach in and they pull out the scraps of animal skins and rags and they pull out the soft downy feathers until the little eaglets sit down on the sticks and the briars. 
and they're sharp and they're pointy and, and they're very uncomfortable and they don't know what to do. Their whole world is certainly suddenly turned upside down. Here they have been in this warm, cuddly place and now suddenly they're on these sticks and they're on these briars and they're uncomfortable and they don't know what to do and they, they want to get out but they don't know how to get out. And the Bible says that the mother eagle flutters over them. Naturalists say that the eagle has the ability of doing what the, the honeybee does. A honeybird or the little, uh, what do you call that bird? Hummingbird, that's it. The hummingbird does. It's able to, it's able to flutter and virtually fly and, and stay still. And uh, that's what the Bible was talking about. She flutters over. She, she raises up a few feet and she flutters. And that fluttering, the naturalists say, is a language that the little eaglets understand. And she's saying, it's okay. It's all right. I know you're uncomfortable, but mama's here. It's going to be okay. And yet they're still uncomfortable. And they're twisting and they're turning. And they're on those sh sharp points of the sticks and the briars. And, and they don't know what to do. And they're uncomfortable. And she flutters over them. And it's, it's her way of saying it's going to be all right. But still, they're so uncomfortable. And so what does she do? The Bible says she spreads her wings abroad. And as she is over them, she spreads out those broad wings. And the naturalists say that eagles have wings spread sometimes of seven to eight feet. And uh, only, they've only seen them from a distance, you see. And, and the mother and the, and the father would fly up on the edge of the nest in light. But now she's right over their heads and her wings are spread out. And they had no idea that their mother was that big. They had no idea. They're, they're looking up and they see this huge wing spread. She spreads her wings abroad. And, and they had no idea that their mother was such a huge bird as she spreads those giant pinions out. And then she lights on the nest again. And she lays one of the wings down as if to say, come on. Get off the briar and get on the wing. Get off the briar and get on the wing. And one of those little eaglets gets out on that wing. And before you know it, she swoops off and begins to fly. And that little eaglet is holding on for dear life. <laughs> Doesn't know what to do. Now he's not looking from the nest. He's, he's looking at the beautiful blue sky. And he's soaring. And for mile after mile, his mother soars and brings him back and drops him into the nest. And he's on those prickly bar, briars again. And another little eaglet jumps on. And she takes that one up and around and around and around and drops him back off in the nest. And now they're back. They have seen what it looks like. And now they're back in that nest. And they're so uncomfortable and they're twisting and they're turning and they, they don't know what to do. And once again, here she comes until over and over again she has helped them to lose their fear. To lose their fear of the great unknown that's out there. And once again, she knows it's time. And she spreads out that wing and gets on. And they soar again when suddenly she lurches that wing and that little eaglet falls off. And begins to plummet to the ground, screaming and flapping the little wings, doing everything possible. And yet, boom, boom, boom. But just before the little eaglet strikes the ground, she swoops down and picks it up with her wing. And takes it back up and drops it off again. And picks it back up and drops it off again. And picks it back up and drops. I remember I was just about five years old. And we had a swimming pool in our backyard. And my dad took me out in the backyard and said, do you know how to swim? I said, no. He threw me in. <laughs> he threw me in the pool. He said, now, as I was screaming and gurgling and blurbling, for, he said, just pull the water towards you. Just pull the water towards you. That's how I learned to swim. Oral Roberts threw me in the pool. <laughs> time and time again, she would take those little eaglets and drop them off and swoop down and pick them up again until suddenly they realized that they had the ability to fly. And soon they were soaring with their mother and looked down and they saw that nest that uncomfortableness of where they were. And they looked up and they saw the beautiful blue sky and all that God had created them to be as adult eagles. And then there's one more thing that the mother eagle teaches. He takes them up to a high place and teaches them how to set their wings. Naturalists say that eagles are very unusual. They have a way of setting their wings when the storm comes. 
and the wind will take them and cause them to rise, to rise up. She bears her chest and sets her wings, and she teaches the little eaglets how to do that for when the storms of life come. The Israelites had become comfortable. Joseph had invited his brothers and his father Jacob to come into Egypt where they could get food because of the famine. And they had been comfortable there. Pharaoh had provided the most beautiful land, beautiful delta along the river called Goshen, like a wonderful suburb. And that's where the Israelites lived and they prospered. And for many, many years, they prospered and they prospered and they prospered. And the time came when God was ready for them to come out of that nest and to establish the great nation of Israel through which would be born our Savior whose birth we will celebrate in just a few days from now. But many of the Israelites did not want to go. They were very comfortable where they were. And God began to stir their nest. And he began to pull out those soft underpinnings until they sat down on those briars and those sticks. And suddenly a new Pharaoh arose who didn't know Joseph and discovered that the Israelites were multiplying too quickly and could easily take over the nation. And so they enslaved them and caused them to build their bricks and to make their cities. And there was a cry that was heard throughout Goshen calling for a deliverer, and the year after year after year passed, and it got worse until the Pharaoh actually was making them build bricks without straw. And God raised up a deliverer. And that was God. That was God fluttering. That was him fluttering over that nest. He raised up a deliverer named Moses, whose little body was found in a little basket floating down the great river of Egypt. And they found him and took him and raised him in the palace. And yet he was an Israelite. One foot in Goshen, one foot in the palace of Egypt. And when he grew up and realized who he was, that he was an Israelite, he was not an Egyptian, he took matters into his own hands and he got ahead of God. And many of us, many Christians have gotten ahead of God in their lives. And they've taken things and situations into their own hands. And things have gone wrong. And something has happened. It's, uh, it's somebody else's fault. Or it's our fault. Or it's nobody's fault. And it's just gone south. And we don't know what to do. And that's what happened with Moses. He killed an Egyptian. And buried his body in the sand. And when it was known, he had to run for his life. And for 40 years, out on the backside of that desert, every step branded him a murderer. But the day came when God spoke to him and said, I have heard the cry of my people. I've seen their affliction by reason of their taskmasters. It's time. It's time for a deliverer to come. It's time for them to come out of the nest. And God was stirring their nest. And he was about to spread abroad his wings and show the power that he had. They had known the power of Pharaoh. But now they're about to find the power of God. And when Moses came to town with those plagues and the flies and the, and the locusts and the, the frogs and the blood in the water and the, the hailstones in the middle of the day and the cattle dying and all those plagues, those working of miracles, that was, that was God spreading forth his mighty wings to show how big and powerful he was. And the day came when, when, when their nest had been stirred enough that Moses could lead two and a half million of them out of Egyptian bondage without a sick or feeble one among them. God is stirring the nest of many a Christian today. Many who have felt comfortable where they are. And suddenly it's not so comfortable anymore and you're twisting and they're turning and, and they don't know exactly what to do. God has something he wants to do in their lives. But somehow we Christians, we, we oftentimes have a way of, of becoming complacent and we don't want to take the next step because we're comfortable where we are. Yes. Amen. 
I was a nightclub singer. I was an entertainer. I was performing all over the Midwest and uh, all the way up as far as Chicago. And I'd, uh, I'd done musical comedy and musical theater, and I'd sung in nightclubs. And I was, uh, I, had signed, or I was in the process of signing a contract with the Sahara Hotel in Las Vegas, and God began to stir my nest. I remembered that when I was a boy, it had been prophesied over me that I would, I would, uh, I would be a minister. I would follow in the steps of my father, Earl Roberts, and that I would, I would have an anointing on my life, and, and I, w- I would have a healing ministry, but I had forgotten about it, and God began to stir my nest. And all the props, sometimes God allows the props to be taken out from under you. And we blame it on everybody else. <laughs> but God is stirring our nest so we can take the next step forward. And God was stirring my nest, and I wound up in a hospital facing surgery. But I never blamed God. Amen. And then I got sick again, and I came home, and I remembered what had, been, what had been spoken over me as a boy. And my father came in to pray for me, and I knew what would happen if Oral Roberts prayed for me. I knew I'd be healed in a jiffy. <laughs> but instead of praying for me, he began to prophesy over me. And he reminded me of all that had been said over me when I was a boy talked about the healing ministry, talked about the anointing. He talked about how I would have twice as many miracles as he had had. He talked to me about television. He talked to me about crusades and places that I would go and I would stand before kings and queens and presidents and prime ministers, which I have done all these many years now. And I got on my knees and I prayed a sinner's prayer. And I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart. And I opened myself up and said, God, I'm ready for that step. He was stirring my nest. And God will stir the nest of every Christian to help every one of us to rise to the next level. Not to be satisfied with what we have done, but to move forward. He is a moving God. He's not stationary. God moves. He moves in us. And we must learn how to move with him. He stirred my nest stirred my nest again a year and a half ago. He spoke to me. He said, your crusade days are over. I said, what do you mean? That's all I've known. I've done crusades and television all over the world, and you're telling me my crusade days are over? Yes, your crusade days are over. And he reminded me of a prophetic word that my father gave over me before he died. He said, son, when you get into your mid-60s, you will become a minister to ministers, and your crusade days will come to an end. Well, I had forgotten what he said. God reminded me. He stirred my nest. He began to take the soft down out from under me and I fell down onto those briars and twigs and it was uncomfortable and I didn't want to launch out because I had known all only that one thing in my life but God was stirring my nest again. Stirring my nest and he said as a sign you won't receive any more invitations from presidents and prime ministers as you've done for 30 years. No, instead you'll be invited to come uh, to speak for ministers all over the world to impart what I have placed in you on healing on the Holy Spirit and seed faith. And I thought about that, Brother Jerry, when I was here for your conference. And you asked me specifically to speak for for three times. And I said, Lord, healing, the Holy Spirit, and seed faith. And God, God is bringing that to pass. He's bringing that to pass now. God stirred my nest again. God, and I'm doing that all over the world. Ministers' conferences. God is pouring out his spirit, and we're developing new and innovative waves. Lindsay uh, is the one that gave me the the tremendous idea of of developing a tablet and putting the Oral Roberts ministry on it, all of our resources. And we've loaded a tablet with 18,000 pages of material and more than 210 hours of, of audio and video. And we're putting it in the hands of underdeveloped nations' pastors, pastors who have no access to Internet, and they have no teaching. Uh, statistic I read that 60 to 70% of pastors in the world have never had any kind of formal Bible training. And God is giving me new and innovative ways. And she is the one who spurred me. She stirred my nest and God stirred my nest. And God will stir your nest. God is stirring the nest of the United States right now. There's change coming into our country. I saw, I saw a political cartoon the other day, and uh, Jesus and Santa Claus were standing across the desk, and the voice said, welcome back to America. <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> God is stirring 
the United States of America. Amen. And I was praying the other day and I, I saw a prophetic word from God that God, it's like America was going in one direction and suddenly I saw America take a U-turn in prayer. Amen. I saw America coming back to its roots. This country was founded upon the power of God. This country was founded upon the Bible. And I realized that, that it's been taken out of our public school textbooks, but it's there. It's real. America was founded upon prayer. The men and women who established this country built a nation upon which they could serve the Lord God, Jehovah, in spirit and in truth. God is stirring this nation again. God has not forgotten about America, the land of the free and the home of the brave. And God has not forgotten about you. And many of you may be in a situation right now and God has begun to stir your nest. And you're a little uncomfortable in what he may be leading you to do. You don't know how. You don't feel like you have the know-how. You may feel that something is in your past that, that has happened that has kept you from doing what you know you should do or that you might not be accepted or people might not receive you and yet God is stirring your nest. And God will do that. He'll take out those soft feathers and allow you to sink down on the twigs and the briars so that you get uncomfortable enough until you launch out into the deep. Jesus said to Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. That was unusual to Peter because Peter more than likely had not ever fished out in the middle of the lake. Historians tell us that because the Sea of Galilee is 200 feet below sea level, that it is subject to violent storms almost without notice. And in those days, their little boats could not withstand the pressure of the storm. And so they fished along the shore. And along the shore is where the small fish are. But Jesus said, launch out into the deep waters and let down your nets for a catch. That's where the big fish are, Peter. That's where the big miracles are. Launching out into the deep. Coming out of the, your comfortableness. Coming out of that comfort zone. Launching out into the deep waters where the miracles are. And Peter obeyed. And he got a net breaking, boat sinking load of miracles. But more than that, he learned how to trust Jesus. And became one of the three most important disciples. Him and Peter and James. Peter and John, excuse me. Him and uh, Peter, James and John became the three leading disciples leading apostles. And God will stir your nest. He stirred Jonah's nest. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. Didn't make any difference to him what happened. It was a sinful town. As far as he was concerned, they all could go to hell. He didn't care. God said, go to Nineveh. Where'd he go? He went to Tarshish. The absolute opposite direction. But God God had a place prepared for him. The Bible doesn't say it was a whale. The Bible says it was a specially prepared fish. And, and when we refuse, and when we want to stay in our comfort zone, God has some special place prepared for us to stir us and to help us to do what we know we ought to do and what God is calling us to do. And Jonah was in that place for three days until he made a vow that he would go into Nineveh. And the moment he made the vow, that fish spit him up on the shore. And he went in and preached. And the entire city came to God. Amen. Imagine someone going to New York City and preaching and every living soul giving their heart to Jesus. That's what happened in Nineveh. Historians say there were 100,000 people in Nineveh. All of them, the Bible says, turned from their wicked ways and turned to God. Praise God. Elijah was in that place, hiding out because of a death contract from Jezebel, hiding in a cave. And God came to him and said, what are you doing here when I've called you to be there? And that's the story of many Christians today. We're here when God wants us to be over there. And he'll stir your nest He'll take out the soft downiness until you 
squirm around and you get so uncomfortable that you say, okay, God, I'll launch out. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do. It doesn't matter what the cost. You know, they say the most dangerous time for a mountain climber is when he gets stuck on the mountain and night falls. He can't come down and he can't go up anymore because of the darkness. And they say that a mountain climber at that time, when he's stuck on the mountain face, will take his ropes and his stakes and he will stake and tie himself up against the mountain and wait for morning. And it doesn't matter how cold it gets. It doesn't matter if it rains or sleets or snows. It doesn't matter how hard the wind blows. What matters is that he's there in the morning. And storms come. And that's why the mother eagle teaches the eaglets how to set their wings so that when the storm comes, they're able to rise above it. The eagle is the only bird, according to to naturalists, that will fly right into the face of the wind. But flying into the face of the wind, the way she sets her wings causes her to rise above. And that's a picture of us when we set our faith. When we understand that we are men and women of faith, that God has given to every one of us the measure, not a measure, but the measure of faith, that we have all the faith that we need, that we need to take that faith and use it for his glory and believe him and refuse to doubt in our heart, but believe that those things which we say shall come to pass. Jesus said in Matthew 17, 20, if you you have faith as a seed, that is a seed that you will sow. And if you will sow it, then you can speak to your mountain of difficulty, your problem, whatever it is. Jesus didn't tell us to climb mountains. He said, speak to them. And we can speak to them in Jesus' name. And we can command them, but we have to have seed in the ground. We have to sow seed. Brother Jerry and Carolyn and Lindsay and I were talking uh, the other day, and I reminded them of a story. He was telling me about a story about seed planting, and it reminded me of a story of my dad. My dad used to tell the story about how when he was a boy, and they, 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 they had a farm. My grandfather, uh, Ellis Melvin Roberts, who established 12 churches in Oklahoma and Arkansas, he was a farmer and a pastor, a Methodist pastor. He was Methodist, and my grandmother was Pentecostal. They were Methocostals. <laughs> my grandfather had a big, booming voice. He lived until I was 21. I knew him very well. I had, I had a special deal with him. He would come to our house, and my mother would pay me 25 cents to sweep the carport. And I looked for my grandfather's car, because when I came, I knew I could pay him a dime to do it, and I could keep the 15 cents. <laughs> I was a little entrepreneur. (laughs) And my grandfather told, or my father told the story to me that one day he and his brother Vaden were pitching the corn into the barn. My grandfather had big shovels and they were pitching the corn into the barn, shoveling it and pitching it into the barn like they had been told. And my grandfather said, wait a minute, boys, wait a minute, boys, you're doing that all wrong. And my dad said, what do you mean, Papa? They called him Papa. Everybody called him Papa. I called him Papa. Everybody did. What do you mean, Papa? We're doing what you told us. He said, no, you take the big choice ears and you set them aside. That's not what we eat. That's our seed corn. That's the corn we're going to plant for next year. And we never eat our seed corn. We sow it back into the earth. And that's a picture of us. When we sow our seed and we give God our best, not our worst, but we give him our best, we don't look down and say, well, I won't miss this. I'll just give it to God. God doesn't want any second-class offerings from us. He wants us to give him our best because he gave us his best. He gave us Jesus. He didn't send an angel 
He didn't send a legion of angels. He sent his son. He had only one son and he gave him. And what did he give him for? He gave him so that men and women would not perish, but have everlasting life. He gave his best. And when you and I sow, we must give God our best. Instead of saying, God, I won't miss this, I'll give it to you. That's what Cain did. Cain reached down and gave something that was unimportant to him. And because it was unimportant to him, it was unimportant to God. And God rejected it. Whereas Abel gave off the top. He gave his best. He gave his first fruit offering. And God accepted. I can remember when we, when we lived on a farm. I was a boy and we had uh, some horses and cattle. We had one milk cow. And I lived for the day when they would allow me to get on the seat and get under and milk the cow. I thought that was great because I could milk for a while. And then my sister who'd be standing there, I could turn it like this and <laughs> squirt it on her. I could go boom, 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 you know, and I could spray it on people, and I thought that was great. And my mother would come down, and she would take the container that we filled, filled with milk, and she would carry it. It was too big for me to carry. She would carry it over to the barn refrigerator, and she would say, now it's going to set overnight. She was teaching me about seed faith that I didn't understand. And the next morning, she'd come and get it, and the top was filled with cream. And she'd take a spoon and she'd dip that cream out and she'd say, son, the best is always on the top. I didn't realize what she was teaching me. She was teaching me that that you give your best. You don't reach down in the bottom and get something that doesn't mean anything to you. No, you, you you give your best off the top. You give off the top. You give your best to him. And when you do, then God opens you the windows of heaven. And it pours you out a blessing so much so there's not enough room to receive it. And, and, and he rebukes the devourer for your sake. The word rebuke literally means stop it. That's enough. You ever said that to a child? Stop it. Everybody say stop it. That's enough. Are those familiar words to you sometime in your life you said that to somebody? Stop it means stop it. That's enough. That's what Jesus did when he was asleep in the boat and they were panicking and said, don't you care? We're about to drown. The Bible says he awakened. He went to the bow of the ship and he rebuked the winds and waves. He literally said, stop it. That's enough. And the Bible says the wind ceased and there was a great calm. That's what rebuke means. When he went to Peter's home, his mother-in-law was sick with a fever and he went in where she was and he rebuked the fever. He literally spoke to the fever and said, stop it. That's enough. And she arose and cooked for them. Rebuke means stop it. That's enough. Everybody say, stop it. That's enough. The Bible says he rebukes the devourer. He says to the devil, you stop it. That's enough. That's my child. They've sown seed, and that seed is going to produce a 30, 60, 100-fold blessing. Somebody give praise unto the Lord this morning. And when God stirs our nest, our response should be, yes, Lord. When he says jump, our response should should be how high on the way up. I used to play a game with our kids called jump or dive. And we had a swimming pool, and, and they would go running off the diving board, and when they got in the air, I would yell jump or I would yell dive. If it looked like they were trying to jump, I'd yell dive. If it looked like they were trying to dive, I'd yell jump. And they love to play jump or dive. They still talk about it today. Well, God plays jump or dive with us. We think we're about to go this way when all of a sudden he says dive and, and, or, or jump, and we, we try to turn. Look. He is in charge. He knows the way. We don't know the way. We only see a part. Paul said we see through a glass darkly. We don't know, but he knows. He knows the way. He's big. He's stretching out his mighty wings to show us his power of what he not only can do, but what he will do if you and I will just obey him and launch out into the deep and let down our nets 
for a catch. And when the storms come, how many of you noticed that storms come? And sometimes we think we must be out of the will of God because a storm comes. Well, that can't be true. The storm hit Jesus. He wasn't out of the will of God. The storm hit the disciples. They weren't out of the will of God. He had said to them, let us go over to the other side of the lake. And they were on the way going over the other side of the lake when the storm hit. So don't think because a storm hits, you're out of God's will. It may be that, that because you're in God's will, that's why the storm is coming. Because that storm wants to destroy you and, and, and keep you from doing it. But, but we have the power. We have the power to say in Jesus' name, you can't have me. You can't have my family. You can't have my marriage. You can't have my business. You can't have my job. You can't have my ministry. You can't have my health. You can't have my strength. You can't have me because I belong to God. The devil doesn't know what to do with someone who has full, who is full of faith and who will use that faith and believe God for miraculous. You wear the devil out in the name of Jesus and say, no devil, you can't have me. And that's what we're called to be. That's why this church is here. This is not so you can come and visit with your neighbors and hear three points and a poem and shake Pastor Justin's hand and go home. That's not what this is all about. What this is about is because hell is out there and we have a message for them to bring your life in harmony with the word of God. Listen, we're living in the end times. Every Bible prophecy is being fulfilled and will be fulfilled. We're coming to a time when the Antichrist will rise. But thank God, we're not going to be here. The rapture will come. A, a, a trumpet will sound and a voice from heaven will shout, Come up here. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And those of us who remain alive will be caught up to meet him in the air and we will live with him forever. You don't have to worry about the identity of the Antichrist. His identity cannot be revealed until you and I are gone. But meanwhile, we got a job to do and we can't do it in the nest. We've got to get out of the nest. And so God will stir that nest until we get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And we're ready to say, I'm, I'm getting off those briars. And I'm getting on the wing. And I'm going to obey God. I'm going to do what he said. I'm going to accept the calling of God that is on my life. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter what's been done. Your fault. Somebody else's fault. Nobody's fault. What matters is obedience. Because God is a forgiving God. He said, if you confess your sins, I am faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What does that mean? That means you've got a chance for a brand new start. It means he wipes the slate clean. It doesn't matter what people think or what they believe. What matters is you and God and you launching out into the deep waters and letting down your nets for a catch. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I thank you for an opportunity to be obedient today and to do what you've shown me that I was to do. And I thank you, Father. Lord, I sense in my heart that there are those here today. God has been stirring your nest and you've been uncomfortable. You know that God has something in addition that he wants you to do. And you've been struggling and you've been battling and you've been leaning to the left and leaning to the right and those sharp briars are sticking against you and, and you're uncomfortable. You don't want to leave that comfort zone and do that because of what somebody might think or what somebody might say or something that's happened or you feel inferior or that, that, that uh, someone has judged you and you're not in position to do things like that. But you don't understand God. His ways are above your ways. His thoughts are above your thoughts. And he will use the things of the foolish to confound the wise. I'm speaking to people today. God's stirring your nest and you know there's something else out there he wants you to do. And today is the, is the day for you to say, God, I'm going to do it. I don't know how, but I'm going to do it. I commit to you today, I'm going to launch out. I'm coming out of this nest. I'm coming out of this comfort zone. 
and I'm going to be obedient to you. Lord, show me how you want me to do it, and I will obey, even though I may not fully understand. I'm talking to people today. I'm describing you. If that's you, and you'd like to have special prayer, you'd like me to agree with you, there's power in agreement. The Bible says, if two shall agree on earth as concerning anything that they shall ask, it shall be done by my Father in heaven. I'm asking if that's you, and you'd like me to pray a prayer of agreement over you that you can launch out and you can do what you know in your heart God wants you to do, even though you may not know how to do it. If that's you, I want you to take the first step and hold your hand up. I'd like to pray for you. You with your hands raised, stand up right where you are. And let me pray. Father, it's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by the Spirit. And it's also by obedience. It's also by obedience. And the Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. And to listen to God than to the things of the world. Now you with your you who are standing, just lift your hands unto the Lord. And pray this after me. Lord, I feel like I'm in that nest. And I can feel the briars. And I've been uncomfortable. I understand that it's you. You are stirring my nest. Because you have something else for me to do. It doesn't matter my age. It doesn't matter if I'm male or female. What matters is your word and your will. And so today, in front of all these people, I confess and I commit that I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to do it. I may not know how. I may not know the way you'll do it. But I'm an open vessel. Show me one step at a time. And I will be obedient. And I will soar. I'll soar in your world. I'll be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. I will answer your calling. I will do what you say. I'll go where you tell me to go. And I'll say what you tell me to say when I get there. I commit to you. I'm coming out of the nest. In Jesus' name. Now lift your hands and give praise unto the Lord. Give praise unto the Lord today. Shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. Now everybody standing, please. Reach over and lay your hand on somebody next to you. The Bible says in James 5, pray one for another that you may be healed. It means you pray for someone else's healing and as you pray for them, for them to be healed, that healing can come back to you. Let us pray over one another this morning. Just begin to pray for them right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray over this one on our right and on our left. We speak to the devil. We command him to take his hands off. Take your hands off this man. Take your hands off this woman. They belong to God. Pray over them today. I rebuke every sickness. I rebuke every disease. I rebuke every fear. I rebuke every doubt in the authority of Jesus' mighty name. Let's go ahead and call, call on the Lord in their behalf right now. In the name of Jesus. Listen and set it free. In the name of Jesus. Every sickness, every disease, come out. Come out. You have no right. We were blood bought and blood washed. And you have no right to cross the bloodline. So I pray over this person. I take authority over every sickness and disease, every fear, every doubt, everything and anything that's unlike God. Come out in the name of Jesus. Take your hands off of finances. Lord, I'm among seed faith people today. People who sow unto the Lord and expect 
the Lord to open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings where there shall not be enough room to receive it and then rebuke the devourer. Lord, I'm among people who believe what I believe because they believe the word of God. Take the seed that we sow. Use it for your glory mightily and multiply it back to us. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together and running over. Lord, I lift up families today. Especially families now at Christmas time. Lift up family members who are unsaved and don't know the Lord. Family members that you've prayed over. And yet they haven't come home. I'm praying that this is the Christmas. This is the time for them to come to themselves. Like the boy that Jesus described in the Bible. Who spent all of his money on riotous living and finally came home. Saying, I've sinned against heaven and sinned against you. Not even worthy to be your hired hand. Not your son. But the, the, the father embraced him, which was a picture of what our Lord does when we come home. Thank you, Father. And this is the Christmas. We pray for those who are traveling across America for Christmas this year. They're traveling would be safe. and They'd be kept safe from harm and danger and accident, injury, pilfering, theft, hijacking, and terrorism. Lord, I claim the United States of America for the glory of God. I claim this nation, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I pray today over our president and our incoming president. Pray over our vice president and our incoming vice president. Pray over the Congress. I pray over our Supreme Court. I pray over the person who's going to fill that vacancy, Lord. Whoever that is, they'll make godly decisions. Pray over every judge, every appellate judge, every federal judge, every state judge, every local district judge, every traffic court judge, Lord. Pray over every governor, every mayor, every alderman, every city council member. Pray over every elected official down to the dog catcher. Pray over them. And I lift up a standard of prayer. You showed me in prayer that America was going to make a U-turn in prayer and come back. I call that word forth, Lord. And Lord, this word, this prophetic word that Brother Jerry brought is so right on about flourishing in 2017. Look what God is setting up now for the flourishing to begin. And I agree with that word. 2017 will be a year of flourishing. I receive it. Say, Lord, I receive that. I receive the flourishing. Come on, give him praise. I receive the flourishing. Say this out loud. I shall flourish like the palm tree. The Bible speaks of the palm tree and how deep its roots are. And that's how the palm tree is able to survive in the desert because it has deep roots and it's hooked up to the water system that's way down deep. And we have deep faith roots. Our roots are deep in him. In 2017, we shall flourish. Well, come on, give a shout of praise to the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Praise you, Father. Well, turn and give somebody a holy hug. Hallelujah.